Welcome to the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast. I'm Hank Sveck. This podcast is about helping you uh, learn and understand the different trials and tribulations of converting a 50-acre farm back to nature and a honeybee sanctuary, and how we struggle to continue to be servant beekeepers. Here's this week's episode. This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. It's uh, April second when i'm recording this and it's a cold day when it went down to minus three last night uh, celsius so that the hives are a little weird they have to be weirded out because um today they're probably going to try to fly if the temperature gets up above usually i'm finding six or seven celsius um and so today um i'm looking at a hive and i've looked at a hive that is um we did a video on you can look at the video at wildflowerbeefarm.com on our YouTube channel, please subscribe, same name, or Instagram. And what it is, is a, a hive that came and decided to live in one of our boxes that we put out for swarms, and it swarmed last year from somewhere. We don't know, we're quite sure it's from one of our hives. We just don't know, is it Carney? Is it uh, Buckfest Carney? Is it Saskatraz? Is it what we call the Zabo? Uh, we don't know. Um, but we will be splitting it because it is a swarm and it survived the winter. But when looking at that entrance as a servant beekeeper, there are seven things I look at today. And if you have a look at that video at wildflowerbeefarm.com um, or not, I will talk you through the servant beekeeping model of observing an entrance. And before you do any of the specifics, as you probably know if you've been doing this for a while, it's very important to get your head in a space that's very calm and sort of just slow paced I should say you know you want to approach the area in, in, a, in a very very calm connection kind of way so you listen to the sounds and in my case when I was there yesterday it was the birds it was the just an incredible um, you know volume of nature happening everybody's kind of trying to catch up it almost sounds like um, and so as I got closer to the hive and set up my camera, usually the camera's set up maybe four feet away from the entrance, sometimes more or less to get, you know, the best close-ups we can, but also so that I can sit and, or stand and just listen and watch. Uh, always have a hat on so that, you know, you don't get any random bee get, or the wind blows a bee into your hair and then you get stung because that's a bit painful in the head. Um, usually white clothing or yesterday I had white clothing plus I had a cameo kind of jacket just to sort of blend into the trees so that I wouldn't uh, stand out so the first thing I observe when I watch them um, and this isn't any particular order because sometimes I'll, I'll do one before the other depending on what I'm seeing but the first for our discussion is the age of the bees so I look at the furry nature of each bee and you know, obviously, if they've been out doing some robbing, or if they are being robbed, it's a whole different observation. But usually, you'll look at the color and the amount of fur. And usually, the amount of fur is in relation to how young the bee is, because it's just sort of coming out. It hasn't had a lot of chance to, you know, wear away some of that fur by getting into the um, cells or anything like that. And, and also, I look at the age of the bees that may be working on the surface of the hive. So are they working on, you know, um, you know, cleaning or putting down propolis? And when they're doing that, how old are the bees doing that kind of procedure? The second one I'd probably pick up initially is the general mood. So as I approach the hive, you listen, you watch, and you see what they're doing. 
and you get a sense of the mood it's hard to describe it's hard to operationalize in numbers or formats such as that you get a sense over time particularly as we get to know our hives so as you know the hive based on the species and the location and the temperature um, you get a sense for the mood number three what are they actually doing and is there a sense of urgency now yesterday because there were storms in the forecast and i think the bees the bees can seem to are able to forecast the weather better than anyone there was a sense of urgency and, and good for them because probably three or four hours later it was pouring rain and windy so they get it there was definitely a sense of urgency as they were bringing in pollen it looked like they were bringing in uh, hairy bittercress maple uh, trees and other pollen that was out there from wildflowers and they and they really were getting into it you could tell so much to the point where it didn't seem to be a lot of supervision at the door if you will it was almost like all these workers were rushing the gate um but they wanted to you know um when the sun shines make hay and they certainly were doing that as we talk about in our book the fourth do you notice any aggression to each other to possible intruders uh, and I, I didn't notice any of that yesterday. I was quite close. They were singing away, bringing in food, and they seemed quite happy. There were no issues of aggression toward me or anything else. The fifth I've been watching more and more is, are they cleaning each other? Some of the hives seem to be more into almost, you know, just totally cleaning uh, bees before they come in. A couple of bees are sitting on each bee or two or three of them, and they're just making sure they clean the bee off. And I'm not sure what's motivating that other than um obviously for sanitary reasons but i don't know why that would be going on in some hives and not others six is a bit more uh, detailed sometimes that happens later when i watch videos but what is the possible food source so on the walk down we always look carefully for what could be blooming or what could be providing them with food and obviously the color of the pollen is somewhat of an indicator but the easiest thing to do of course is to see the trees blooming or the actual flowers blooming with bees on on them so can you tell the food source by watching and what does that tell you about the hive now it was thought to believe that if they're bringing in pollen they must have a queen now we know that's not true it could be that there's a worker laying or it could be that they have no queen and they continue to bring in pollen regardless that hasn't been my experience here on the farm but I know other beekeepers do talk about it and the final one number seven is what is the general impression of the health of that hive from what i see at the entrance and that that's sort of a, a ongoing work in progress it, it kind of happens over time and it's kind of a sense of of how healthy are now right now it's important because i'm looking to say okay do i split all my survivor hives or just those that seem strong because one of the problems is the hives that don't seem strong now are probably could even be better because what they're doing is slowly building up like carnies are supposed to take 30 to 40 days more to get into full sort of production the queens than other hives so you know you want to wait and see and the question is yes they survived the winter but what does that mean about what's happening currently so i'm not going to probably look into any hives until mid-april till i'm about to do some splits maybe late april um unless i'm not sure or i think the hive is empty um, and there's no activity so we can clean it up a bit and get ready for new hives so those are my seven points 
to observing as a servant beekeeper when watching the entrance. You can add your own. I'm sure if you do this over time, you'll pick up other types of skills and strategies to help you with that. The other challenge we have is looking at the height, how high off the ground you put a hive. Now, I really do believe spreading them out is important. Um, any places we have had some winter loss, it's where the hives were fairly close. You may have had one or two highs because we don't have very many very close together but i think the the idea of putting them all in an apiary in a bee yard where they're very close together is a huge mistake and Seely talks about that i'm not the only person but in the research you can read some of his work and remember in in nature usually there's a beehive about every kilometer or so if there's enough food so they do like their distance and i wonder if putting them all together does add to their stress which in the end could cause them to have more disease likely on this 50 acre farm we probably in the end will have something like 15 or 20 hives so that would be about one hive for every two two and a half acres which makes sense given the productive sort of habitat we have for them this is hank for the wildflower bee farm remember to check out our other podcast invest like a honeybee and the other one is the adhd fix that i talk about from my previous career but have a look and, and subscribe to all of them. Tell us what you think. Um, give us your feedback. Love to hear it. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at wildflowerbeefarm.com so that you can get the updated lengthy videos where I go in and talk some more about things. And in April, we'll be downloading a lot of our uh, hive splitting and as we open hives, because it's such a rare event, we don't open the hives very often. So to go in and have a look at all these hives that we've been watching from the outside is going to be an interesting experience. You have an amazing day and we'll talk soon. Remember to pick up my latest book, What Grandpa Learned from His Honeybees, the little book to be smart with your money and help the environment on Amazon or Audible. Pick it up today.